Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. I love our Advent series I love that we're doing, uh, responding to His invitation, God's invitation. As we shared last week, we've been praying uh, about this next season for Quest, and we just have a sense of anticipation that God is really up to something really cool and really good for us. Wendy, for uh, several months, has had God bringing to her mind this idea of RSVP, in that she's felt like God is saying, I'm inviting you to something, and would you like to RSVP? Would you really want to sign up for this? I mean, that's what an RSVP is, right? It's, it's saying we're committed. It's An invitation is personal. So our, our big question throughout this series is, what is God inviting you to? What is God inviting us to at Quest? Like any invitation, we can say yes or no. So let's get into today's message this way. How many know the name Joshua Bell? Yeah, there's a few. At the age of 39, he was called America's greatest classical musician. He may be the world's most famous violinist. He's the kind of musician that can fill up Carnegie Hall for hundreds of dollars per ticket and, and play his 300-year-old $3.5 million Stradivarius violin. I don't know. I'd be scared to pick that thing up. In 2007, he participated in an experiment. He was in Washington, D.C. for a concert, and the day after, he went anonymously to play his Stradivarius in a major hub of the metro station during rush hour, and he had his hat out to collect tips. Now, thousands of people had paid hundreds of dollars a ticket to hear him play the night before. Yet after playing in the Metro, Bach and Tchaikovsky and Vivaldi for 45 minutes, only six people had stopped to give him a grand total of $32.17 in his hat for donations. Twenty of it came at the very last minute from someone who recognized who he was. It's possible, isn't it? to miss some of the most incredible things in your life when you're not paying attention to it, when you're not looking for it, when you're not tuned into it. We can easily pay bills and work on a degree, raising kids, caring for our aging parents, and be so busy that you find yourself head down, nose to the ground, to stone, pushing through life, and along the way, a gap develops between you and God. We can grow numb to the wonder of God in our lives all around us. It is so easy to become less expectant that God will be there, less grateful and adoring of the wonders of God all around us. God can even show up like Bell playing a violin in the metro station, and we miss Him. We're spiritually asleep, unobservant, don't know, tired, too busy. We don't recognize the greatness so often that is right in front of us. I think one part of Advent is that God wants us to want more. He wants us to live with an anticipation of what He might do next and wonder at what He's doing right now. So I think the invitation this week is an invitation to, to cultivate wonder in our lives. Some may call this an invitation even to mystery. It's where we allow more curiosity and spiritual hunger to grow in our lives for Him. 
See, if we're aware, Christmas speaks into the wonder of this great mystery of the incarnation, the capacity of human flesh to embody the divinity of God in Jesus. What role does mystery, wonder, miracles, awe play in your life? What role does wonder play and mystery play in the practice of your faith? Now, maybe you've had a similar experience. I can look at seasons in my life where the wonder and awe of God was really high. Everything seemed better. Everything seemed brighter, more full. I saw God in others. I saw God in creation. And even, even in the simplicity of the clouds, I'd wonder about how amazing God was. And I saw more miracles and healings and God speaking in profound ways. But one of the greatest struggles of life is to stay in that place, isn't it? That place of wonder. Life gets going, difficult things happen, too much is going on, and it's easy to miss the wonder of God right in front of you every day. You become just a little bit more dull, maybe distant, less observant, find yourself praising God just a little bit less. At times, Jesus, I think, has felt more like a a good teacher passing out assignments and lecturing to us in class, maybe, Uh, How do you feel close to a God like that? But that's not who God is. The great commandment is that we love God with all of our heart and soul and mind. That we would be more connected to Him than anyone else. I want that. Don't you? It's probably part of the reason you're here today. Yet how do you live and stay living in that place? One of the many ways God becomes personal is when we step back and see and embrace more of the wonder and more of the mystery of God. Wonder, it means to be filled with admiration or awe. And when was the last time you stood at a moment in life with amazement with something God had done or revealed to you, in awe at something you discovered about Him or just the goodness of life? Nature often does that for Wendy and I. Wendy and I this last fall went to New Hampshire, and uh, it's awe-inspiring, those mountains and trees, and Wendy described them like fireworks that didn't stop. As we were driving, she'd comment every few minutes, isn't this beautiful? And the expectation was that I would respond by saying, yes, it absolutely is beautiful. To her credit... After her hundredth time of saying it's beautiful, she did start to try to expand her vocabulary, saying, it's amazing, it's tremendous, it's incredible, it's stupendous. And we started getting out the thesaurus and and using Google to find more words. Now, nature is one thing that inspires awe, like the wonder of a flower that can't be forced to bloom, and then boom, it's there in all of its beauty. Or like the wonder of how a redwood tree grows 40,000 times its size and and it has a lifespan of 2,000 years. It just blows our minds. I love when all of you post nature pics from your vacations. Here's one from Jack Rogers, our our resident professional photographer from, from North Dakota. Isn't that amazing, the colors and the beauty and the awe of that? And here's one from Heidi Falk this last September, just from right across the street. Nature helps us draw closer to God, seeing how He's better, He's more beautiful, He's more creative, more powerful 
than we can imagine. Wonder is not just about getting goosebumps, though, because of something beautiful or, or, or some, now we have a cool story to tell. This is about consistently looking and finding the wonder of God through nature, through music, through people, and other ways, and big and small ways, that creates a longing for more of God. It makes us want more of Him. So how do you find wonder of God, the wonder of God in your life? In the midst of all the demands, how do we engage more in experiencing God's wonder? How do we create space for that? How do we let this awaken us spiritually to long for more of God? Christmas is one of those opportunities. Just look at Isaiah's prophecy. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And we think that governments are all powerful, right? But he's carrying them on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love that first name, Wonderful Counselor. If we just focus on the word wonder, it means God is so good, he's beyond understanding. He is incomprehensible. Awe is one of the most often used but misunderstood concepts in the Bible. The Hebrew word for awe is not always translated as awe, but it's, it's a thread that runs throughout the entire Bible. There are 53 references that actually translate it awe. 92 references translate it as amazing. 22 are translated as to astonish. 38 are translated as to reverence. And 109 are translated as wonder. And fear and afraid and tremble are also words frequently mentioned in the Bible, sometimes that refer to awe experiences. We see those instances that led to trembling awe when, for instance, Jesus rebuked the wind and the disciples were in fear and amazement, Luke tells us. Those who were first filled with the Holy Spirit were described as being amazed and perplexed. God writes through the prophet Isaiah, Therefore, once more I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Then from the book we try to avoid, Job, we read the real, the real wisdom is dealing, in dealing with tremendous loss comes out this way. It's, and they say to Job, listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. He goes on to talk about, do you know how God controls the clouds and makes his lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang poised, those wonders of him who is perfect knowledge? It goes on to talk about God coming in awesome majesty. We see King David write, the whole earth is filled with your wonders. Revelation is packed with awe. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like the loud peals of thunder and shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord, our God Almighty reigns. Throughout the Bible, we see many wonders of God on display. Like when Moses was at the Red Sea and the Egyptians had changed, had changed their minds and were coming out to get him. And Moses says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you need only be still. 
And then we see how the Lord will fight for them. The text goes on and says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all the night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. And the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on the left. Then Moses bursts out in shouting, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? To sit with that wonder, that awe. There's no one like our God. The Bible shows us a God of wonders who is literally bursting at the seams, displaying His power and might. And in our lives, we may not see it. Maybe because wonder has been diminished in our lives. Or as kids, we're kind of born with a God-inspired sense of wonder, but life experiences disappointment. The busyness lead too often to cynicism that seeps into our souls and becomes a controlling factor in our lives. Maybe we've just gotten logical and we try to figure everything out. Honestly, God loves our curiosity and our pursuit of knowledge, but we will never figure everything out. God is inviting us to know Him as a God who is full of wonders each and every day. But there's a vulnerability in that, isn't there? There's a vulnerability in believing in wonder. Mystery forces us to follow God into the unknown. Maybe we've spent most of our life trying to figure everything out with our minds. That's a good thing. But it's not a good thing if we're trying to always be in control so that we can never be caught off guard. In God's invitation to wonder and mystery and awe, God is asking to worship us to worship Him beyond what our minds can understand, beyond what we can consider, beyond what we can even conceive. God really wants to take us into the impossible. As the Vineyard Church, Wimber and the Vineyard is usually spelled faith, R-I-S-K. We've heard that before, right? John Wimber actually agreed with this depiction of following Jesus as being like someone in a high dive without water in the pool. And Jesus says, come and jump. And Jesus doesn't often fill the pool until you jump. Now, that, that's not to try to teach us to make a lot of unwise decisions. That's not the point of that. The point of it is learning that much of what God asks us to do requires us to trust Him without knowing the end and to trust Him in everything. And often that's incredibly scary, isn't it? That's a real adventure, and it's so worth living. Let's pull into one specific way God showed us wonder, and I think it helps us know a little more about how to live this out. It's seen in Matthew 14. John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Jesus wants to withdraw, taking time to grieve. But the crowds keep following him, pressing in. And he had such love and compassion. He continues to receive them. He's doing, performing many healings and miracles. But as it got toward evening, the disciples knew the people needed food. 
There were at least least 5,000 men there with women and children, likely closer to 15,000 people. So the disciples said to Jesus, hey, let the people go. They need some food. Send them away. And Jesus says, no, you give them something. And flabbergasted, the disciples respond saying, we don't have really anything to feed them except for a couple of fish from a boy and a couple dinner rolls. And Jesus takes these meager fish and rolls and blesses them, and everyone is given enough with leftovers. The disciples were not expecting the divine to show up. Jesus was right there with them, but they didn't even think that he might want to do something like this and multiply the food and the fish. Do we do this too in our lives? Is this the way we live? They went through the motions of their faith, but their hearts were not believing for God to show up in ways outside their understanding. Then after this miracle, Jesus sends the disciples away on a boat to cross to the other side while Jesus took some time for himself. The disciples are really familiar with this lake. Many of them had made their living on it before following Jesus as fishermen. While on the lake, a huge storm swept down upon them and the waves were intense. It was scary, wondering if they were going to live. On their own, straining at the oars, Jesus comes to the disciples walking on the water and they respond with terror saying, Is it a ghost? Don't you just love that Jesus knew they were in a difficult situation and he comes to meet them? The disciples were thinking, we have to struggle through this and hopefully, hopefully get to the other side. And then Jesus might join us there. But no, Jesus wanted to meet them amid their life. And he wants to be with us amid the storms of our lives. In their fear... Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. See, God wants to reveal Himself to us wherever we are at in life, whatever we are facing. He wants to, He wanted to reveal Himself to the disciples in a way that they had not known Him before. God comes and meets them and surprises them. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the water. Can you imagine the awe that I must have felt like of that moment? And then Peter sees the waves. He becomes frightened and starts to sink, crying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he says, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? See, when they were all back in the boat, they worshiped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Don't you love how Peter risks, though, in this moment? And I don't think Jesus looked at him in this moment with irritation and disappointment when he said, why do you doubt? In fact, I imagine Jesus was saying more like, I was hoping you were, were going to experience more of this. I want to do a little bit of, you know, surf a few waves with you or something. And it leads us to ask ourselves, do you live thinking the Holy Spirit can bring you to places in your spiritual journey that you did not think were possible? Or have you gotten to the point of living life where you just kind of don't expect God to show up? It's all up to you to be a good person. We can live our lives without being in awe of God. We can miss the times He wants to show up in our lives. We can miss the times He is showing up in our lives. We need to nurture a sense of awe and divine expectation in our life. 
bunch of current research done on where God is moving around the world shows him moving tremendously for the Christians, Christianity growing like by leaps and bounds in Africa and Asia and even Iran. Why is that? Why are they experiencing more of the awe and wonder of God than the Western Europe and the U.S.? Author Philip Yancey has an idea after traveling around looking at a bunch of the moves of God around the world. He saw that most of Europe and the U.S. have so many distractions in, with entertainment and electronics that he began to think maybe they just don't want God. Leading Yancey to conclude the reason God is showing up more with more wonders and miracles in other countries is God goes where he's wanted. God goes where he's expected. Which leads to the next question we need to ask ourselves. Do we really want more of God? Do we really? As followers of Jesus, we are believers in the unseen. Things that are outside the realm of things we can fully explain. That's why we call it faith. What might our lives look like if we carry this awareness, this wonder of God in our everyday lives. It's important as God prepares us for the next season. With wonders, there will always be questions. See, I think God is wanting us to be more okay with things we don't understand. Being more okay with ambiguity and questions. Wonder is not only a noun, but it's also a verb something we choose to practice and cultivate. I think the main thing we can do in response to today's message is we can pray for wonder. We can ask God to help us see it right in front of us every single day, for God to come up and show up in incredibly powerful ways and answers to prayers because we pray for wonder. And that prayer for wonder invites us to change the posture in which we live our lives. We're asking God to expand our capacity to see and savor the divine gifts all around us, to take a deeper dive into understanding the Bible and to see that happen in our world today. To pray for the wonder is basically saying, God, I want more of you. I want you to increase my expectation that you will show up in my life and in the lives of those around me and in this world each day. That you'll show up in my work, that you'll show up in my family, that you'll show up in this community, that you'll do miracles like you say you do. One specific way we can do that is to take time to let God show you things in the Bible and in your life. Like when you see a newborn baby, sit a little longer in the reminder of God's powerful gift of life. In the busyness, take an extra moment to watch a sunset or sit in the moonlight. It's kind of fascinating. Author Ruthie Haley Barton notes that in silence we begin to see that a lot of our God talk is like pointing the finger at the moon. Pointing to the moon, talking about the moon, studying the moon, seeing how the light of the moon is generated. But she says that's not the same thing as sitting in the moonlight and soaking in it and experiencing it. Sometimes a sense of wonder comes not with words because our words can never contain God or adequately describe our experience of Him. Sometimes wonder is just being with God and experiencing Him. 
Another specific way to, to practice wonder pulls into another theme in Advent. It's the theme of darkness and light. The Bible talks about how we wait in darkness for light. In the darkness of night, when we see no light, we know that morning always brings light every day. So maybe one thing you can do is before the sun rises, get up and watch to see how the world comes alive. How darkness starts to fade as the birds start to awaken and the sun's light starts to change the sky. Sit with the truth that the light comes every day. We don't have to work for this light to come. It just comes. That's the wonder and hope we have of God. He just comes. Sit with the wonder that God is with us in both darkness and in light. And let that speak to any fear you have helping you stay steady with Him. We want to end today with communion. Embedded in many of the Catholic and Lutheran Methodist liturgy is the recognition of mysteries and wonders. When they do communion, they often raise the bread and the wine and they say, let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. And some of you may remember the congregation responds, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Yet some may be unclear what this mystery is when we're talking about it from a biblical standpoint. Paul uses the word mystery numerous times in his writings, such as in his letter to Colossae. He says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, this mystery Paul describes is no longer a mystery. Because ever since Jesus was resurrected, the mystery is now clear. All of the prophecies from the Old Testament now, when they are read in this new light, the mystery becomes obvious. Biblically, a mystery is a secret God reveals and man could not know without God revealing it. God opened their eyes to understand the power of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now how every prophecy is fulfilled in Him, how all the penalties of sin are absorbed by Him, all the requirements were met by Him, all the blessings were given through Him. So let's take a moment to pause and reflect on the mystery of the beauty and the power of who Jesus is and what He did. Before Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, He was with the disciples that last night. And during the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread. He broke it and gave it to the disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body. Taking the cup and thanking God, he gave it to them. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood. God's new covenant poured out for many people for the forgiveness of sins. There's not much simpler meal than bread and wine, is there? And in this simplicity, it reflects how the key person of the Christmas story is essential for our faith. The divine mystery of humanity and divinity becoming one is the divine mystery of Christmas. Think of it. As the divine Son of God, Jesus could feed 5,000. But as the Son of Man, He became hungry. And in this mystery, Jesus says to us, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. As the divine Son of God, he turned water into wine. As the Son of Man, he was thirsty. In this mystery, Jesus says to us, Whoever thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. See, we cannot celebrate communion without celebrating the Christmas story. And we do that every time we take communion. Communion is always an invitation. Always an invitation. And God lets us decide whether we want this gift or not. Do we believe Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth in human flesh? Do we believe that He was born of the Virgin by the work of the Holy Spirit? Do we believe that Jesus was sinless and His blood covers our sin perfectly, wholly, completely? Hold the elements for a moment. Just take them out. Go ahead. And just think of the night He came to become flesh among us. Christ the Savior is born, bringing His redeeming grace to all who want it. So take the bread right now and imagine the Son of God leaving all of heaven to come and live in this sin-scarred earth to be disdained by men and women all because He loves you. And take the juice. And remember how Jesus, born without sin, let His blood be poured out for you so you can be perfectly forgiven now, for the past, and in the future, and receive the gift and the wonder of God. Spirit, we invite you to open our eyes to the wonder of who you are all around us, who you are in us, and the work you are doing in everyone's life around us. Lord, we invite you to come and pour out your gifts upon us that we would be able to speak your words to others that are not just our words, but we would see you show up in power and healing and salvation and comfort and peace in so many ways that you would lead us and we'd experience your wonder. We welcome you this Christmas season. Lord, come and take the pessimism of our lives. Come and take the hardness of our hearts. Come and take the arrogance of our thoughts and allow us just to receive you in all of your glory and rest in you in the wonder and the awe.
Now, as we continue, would you stand and give your hearts in worship to God? We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.